Open up your mouth and shout yes! Shout yes! Shout yes! Yeah! Come on, somebody! There was a principle of God that was released to Joshua. He said, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, tell the people that that is the signal to open their mouth and let out a shout. And when the people shout, the wall's gonna come down. I just need about 25 people in the building that have enough faith in your spirit uh, to open up your mouth uh, and shout uh, at something that looks like uh, it's not moving. Uh, shout at something uh, that looks like it's not changing. Uh, open up your mouth and shout. Come on, tell that sickness uh, you've got to come down uh, tell fear uh, you've got to come down uh, shout at depression uh, you've got to leave uh, shout over dysfunction uh, you've got to correct yourself uh, open up your mouth and shout now somebody shout uh, and Tell addiction, uh, you've got to be broken. Uh, shout and tell oppression, uh, you've got to leave. Uh, shout and let the devil know, uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still here. Yes, yes. Give him a shot. I feel like somebody uh, needs to make a statement to the enemy this morning. Uh, you need to declare, uh, rejoice, uh, not against me, uh, oh my enemy. Uh, for when I fall, uh, I just need about 300 honest people in the building uh, that understand it's not if, uh, it's when you fall, uh, it's when you stumble. Uh, but baby, I've got news for the devil. Uh, when I fall, uh, I uh, shall uh, arise. Uh, I'm getting back up today. Uh, I'm standing back up today. Uh, I'm getting back on track. Uh, Somebody shout with a voice of triumph in this One more time, shout with a voice of triumph. Somebody lift up a victorious praise. Somebody lift up the sound of dominion. Somebody shout the sound of victory. Hey!
your hands, all your people. Clap your hands, all your people. Woo! High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them welcome to friends and family day at the Rock Church. Turn to somebody else next to you. Tell them before the day is over, we gonna be friends or we gonna be family. (laughs) Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, I said, is there anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. I want to take a very brief opportunity to say a great big welcome this morning to every single one of our first-time guests that are here in the house of the Lord. The house is packed with guests this morning. Rock Church, I need to borrow your voice in your hands. Uh, help me make some crazy noise uh, for all of our guests that are in the building. We could do a little bit better than that. Let them know how much we love and appreciate them. Amen. If this is your first time here at the Rock Church, we have a little policy that's very important to us that we want to share with you. And I know that it's, it's rude and uh, to impose policies on your guests, but this one is very important to us. And our policy is simply this. You are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just part of the family around here. Amen, somebody? So I need you to help me 360 degrees from where you're sitting. Touch everybody around you and just tell them, welcome home this morning. Come on, help me out, church. Don't leave anybody untouched there in front of you. I tell them, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Amen. We're so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord today. Is anybody excited about what God's been doing in this place? Amen. This past week, we have had several people baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost as revival just continues to rock around this place. I think in just the past uh, three to four weeks, maybe the past month uh, since Father's Day, we have been uh, pushing, uh, if I'm not mistaken, probably somewhere between 50, 60 people have been baptized in Jesus' name and As many, if not more than that, have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think we ought to give God some great big praise in this house. Amen. Amen. We're so excited to have you here at the Rock Church. As was mentioned before, only one service today. This is our Friends and Family Sunday. We do this every time. There's five Sundays in a month. And we want to invite you immediately after the service to join us right outside for a great time of food and fellowship. It isn't going to cost you a dime. Tell your neighbor, it ain't going to cost you anything. You're our guest today. We want you to just come and enjoy some food and a great time of fellowship. We're so excited that you're here today. And uh, although today is going to be, this will be our only service today, somebody shout Tuesday night. Tuesday night will be our midweek service. We'll be right back here in the house of the Lord. I am going to be continuing our holiness series on Tuesday night. Has anybody been enjoying the word of the Lord on midweek service? 
You don't want to miss it. If you've already missed the first couple of lessons, you can go back on YouTube or SoundCloud or uh, iTunes podcast. I think we're on pretty much every uh, platform that does that kind of a thing. And you can catch up with where we're at. Um, Incredible study of God's word. You don't want to miss it. Amen, somebody. Amen. I have the distinct privilege today of this being our baby dedication Sunday. Amen. What a great way to incorporate that into Friends and Family Day. And uh, this morning we are actually dedicating three different children. This morning we are going to be uh, dedicating little Malcolm Poindexter this morning. Come on, somebody give God a praise for this little angel. And then we are going to be dedicating little Yeshua and Tello this morning to the Lord. And then we are going to be dedicating uh, Serenity Terrier to the Lord this morning. I want to invite these parents and uh, their child to the very front row that's reserved for them here. Um, if, If you want to come. And, uh, and then we also want to invite you to bring any of your family or friends, those that you want to be with you. They can sit behind you or in close proximity. We want them to come. Now, we're going to do this a little bit different this morning. Somebody tell your neighbor, different is cool. Normally, what we do is I, I address just this family and you all get to kind of sit and participate as I address the family. And then we pray for them and dedicate the children. And, and uh, then I will take a second text and deliver a word of the Lord to the house. But today, I've got one word for everybody. I said I've got one word for everybody in this building today. And so not only is this going to be a word for this family, but I felt like God said this is a word for the entire house today. And so how many of y'all will just join right in this morning with the word from God? I want to deliver God's word. It will be primarily focused upon these precious families, but I want the entire church to understand it's a word for this house today. When I'm done preaching I believe God's going to move in a powerful way all across this sanctuary. We're going to pray as we normally would and uh, respond to the unction and moving of God in this place. And it will be after that altar call that we will pray individually and distinctly for these family and their children and anoint them with oil. Is that all right this morning? So we're going to do it just a little bit different. Stand with me if you would all over the house as we hasten to the word of the Lord today. I want to invite you to the book of Genesis, chapter number 19. You will find my assignment beginning in verse number 27. Genesis chapter 19, verses 27 and 28. Read thusly. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom 
and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. For just a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach from this thought, going the wrong way. Going the wrong way. Would you put your Bibles down and clap your hands one more time unto the Lord in this sanctuary today. Come on, clap your hands and give God a praise in this house today. Oh, would you lift your hands all over this sanctuary in the presence of the Lord right now. Come on, I'm believing God to move in this house. We're believing God to do a work in this sanctuary. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Somebody needs to lift both of your hands right now and just begin to open up your heart to the word of the Lord that's in this place. God, speak to me now. God, talk to me now. God, move in my life now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Clap your hands one more time and give God a great big praise. You may be seated this morning. I can only imagine in my mind's eye as the first tendrils of consciousness began to touch the eyes and the mind of Lot as his shiftless body begins to respond to the breaking of daylight. His heart is racing. His breathing is heavy. And one cannot help but imagine that for maybe just a few moments that particular morning, he began to say to himself, maybe it was all just a bad dream. Maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe if I lay here with my eyes closed long enough, I will wake up and be in my bed and I'll wake up and be in my house and, and I can go to the living room like I normally do. Maybe, maybe if I stay here for just a moment. But when his eyes break open, Lot is again faced with the stark reality of what has just happened to him. I can only imagine what it would be like to roll over. The Bible says that he came to a place where he could look out uh, across the land. And as he began to peer from his vantage point into the land, the Bible describes to us what can only be the scene of what looked like a post-war scenario. The Bible says that there, just beyond his view where he was, the smoke was still rising, perhaps even small flames 
as he looked out over what once was the cities that he lived in, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The city Sodom, whose name itself means to be burned or scorched with fire. The name Gomorrah means to be buried beneath a pile of rubble. These cities, from their very inception, carried an identity and a name that would let one to understand that from their very inception, the hand and the judgment of God was against those cities. God understood in his foreknowledge that these cities would be a gathering place of wickedness, a cauldron and a representation of everything that was against the hand of God. And as Lot peers, all of a sudden he begins to relive the moment. The moment that he held his wife's hand. Come here, first lady. Begins to relive the moment where he and his precious wife said, we've got to do whatever it takes. We've got to do whatever it takes to escape what has happened in this place. And I can only imagine that it began to play out over and over again in his mind. That horrid moment that he felt a change in his hand and that warm flesh all of a sudden immediately hardened and became coarse as his wife became a pillar of salt. Can you imagine the feeling of a husband whose wife that he loved? He can't look back. The the word from God was don't look back. And so he has to let go of her hand, his heart aching and his mind confused. No, not you too. I have nothing left to live for. I can imagine him telling his two daughters that were with him, babies, whatever you do, keep looking forward. Whatever you do, don't turn around. Just keep looking forward. Remember the word of the Lord. And just as those memories hit him, and he looks across the smoldering city. All of a sudden he remembers that in that city were the rest of his children. Do I have any parents in the building that can imagine with me for a moment what it must be like to look out and see the ruins of a city engulfed with flames? And to know that your babies died, burned alive by the fire. How is it that we find a man like this in this scenario? 
Brother Moses, nobody spends their life planning for this to be the way it all comes to pass. Sister Laura, nobody takes the time to ponder these kind of moments in their family. Sister Terry, nobody ever thinks when they're holding this precious little baby in their hands and they put the flowers on their head and they hold them so near that one day you'd be looking at a city where their ruins were laid there as they died a horrific death. Can I tell you that where we begin to read the story this morning is not where the story begins. But the story begins in Genesis chapter 13. And we understand that choices have consequences. I wish I could preach it loud this morning. I wish I could preach it in such a way that every young person and every married couple and every young couple in this building would never forget this morning. You would never forget the voice and the face of a man of God that looked at you and told you that choices have consequences. Many times, they are what is called unintended consequences. If you go back to Genesis 13, the Bible said that there came a moment in time where there was friction that began to develop between Lot and his uncle Abraham. The first thing I want you to see here uh, is that he had lived uh, his life uh, right next to the greatest potential he could ever walk next to. You see, I've learned a long time ago uh, that you can have people that grow up in the greatest of environments uh, surrounded by the greatest people uh, that love them uh, and teach them truth uh, and yet they don't listen uh, and they don't embrace it uh, and they walk the other uh, direction. Abraham, the Bible said, was called the friend of God. Abraham walked so closely with God that God shared secrets with Abraham that he wouldn't share with anybody else. And this was Lot's uncle. This was the man, Brother Michael, that Lot had the opportunity to spend time with. And he had the opportunity to be around him and learn from him. But you mark it down in every place, in every person's life, there will be moments where things don't always go like you planned and things aren't always as smooth as you wanted them to be and the people you love the most and the people you look up to the most there will be opportunities and moments for there to be friction and disagreement and misunderstanding and how you handle it will do everything to determine your future how How you handle it uh, will make all the difference uh, in what happens in your life. 
It's interesting to note that probably up until this point, it was Abraham, the patriarch, that probably made most of the very important decisions for the family. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This. But there came a moment where Abraham said, listen, there's friction between our herdsmen. And I don't want there to be friction between you and I. He said, I'm willing to do whatever we've got to do in order for us to preserve our relationship. And he gives Lot a choice. First of all, can I speak what is unspoken in the text? That one of the options that was not given by Abraham but was an option nonetheless would have been for him to bow himself and say, Uncle, I don't care what the friction is. I'll do whatever I've got to do because nothing's going to come in between me and in between you. There's no reason for us to separate. There's no reason for us to, you're my man of God. You're my uncle. You're my family. Come on. Come on, somebody. But under the circumstances and under the power and influence of frustration he begins to ponder and the Bible says that he looks out and he sees the well watered plains of Jordan it's interesting to me because if you read the text you will find that it says he saw the well watered plains and they were like the garden of the Lord. He viewed them in a light that compared them to the beauty of what God had prepared for mankind. Oh, and wrapped up in beauty that man thought was comparable to the beauty of God's garden was the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah. You understand that things are not always as they appear to be. Oh my God, I feel like preaching now. The book of Proverbs says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a point in time where you have to come to the realization that I can't always trust my perception of everything. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how inviting it seems. I don't care how pleasant. I've got to have more than just my perception. I've got to rely on more than my own emotions. I've got to learn to live past my feelings. I've got to learn to rise above my math and my own calculations and understand that things are not always what they appear to be. Looks beautiful. Looks amazing. Can I preach it like this? He was a herdsman. He owned cattle. He made a living by the profits of how well his animals grew and multiplied. And when he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan, it equaled business opportunity for him. 
Oh, what an opportunity. Surely God's in this thing. If it means promotion, if it means more money, if it means a better situation, it has to be God. Oh, but can I preach to somebody in the building that the will of God will never lead you where his grace cannot keep you? The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. If you've got a compromise, it's not the will of God. If you've got to get rid of your commitments, it's not the will of God. If you've got to be disobedient, it's not the will of God. If you've got to be sneaky to make it happen, it's not the will of God. He placed so much value on what he perceived as opportunity that he completely negated the fact of looking at the risk involved. Sodom and Gomorrah. Looks good. And the Bible says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Woo, we could stay here a while. That leads me to believe he didn't do it all in one big jump, but he just simply changed the direction of his tent. Sometimes people are still coming to church, uh, but their direction has changed. Uh, doesn't look like they've moved because they're still showing up to church. Uh, but if you look at the front door of their tent, uh, it's no longer facing the kingdom of God. Uh, but it's got its eyes on other places. Uh, it's got its eyes on other things. Uh, he didn't move his tent. Uh, he simply changed its direction. Uh, it was no longer focused on God's will, uh, but it was only focused on what looked like greater opportunity. And in stark contrast to Abraham who walked with God, who prayed every day and said, Lord, what's your will for me? God, lead me. God, guide me. God, show me the way. Not Lot. Lot never falls on his face. We never read about a prayer where Lot beseeches God for direction. We never read about Lot consulting the man of God or godly counsel in his life. But he is driven and led by one thing. The appetite, the appetite of his flesh. He is being led by one thing uh, and one thing only, uh, his own perception. Uh, and so there is no involvement uh, of any other kind. Uh, he picked up the attitude uh, that said, I'm going to do uh, whatever it is I want to do. Uh, I'm going to go wherever I feel to go. Uh, whatever looks uh, like a good opportunity for me. Uh, I'm preaching about how uh, Lot woke up one morning uh, and found himself uh, looking at the burnt rubble uh, of a city. It began with his choices. It began with his decisions. God knew what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. God knew what he was going to do in that city. 
I believe that perhaps Lot even understood the gravity of that famous city. And yet in his processes, he never takes time to consider. And so, he grabs his family, grabs his children, Brother Damien, and says, family, there's going to be a change in our household starting today. You're going to have to find some new friends. You're going to have to get used to some new things. Because we're leaving here. His family says, okay, daddy. If that's what you feel is best. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but knowing women like I know women. Or should I rephrase that like I think I know women? Here we go. I'll get more amen saying it that way. You know, women tend to be a little sharper on the uptake than men. And I can imagine her pausing for a moment saying, Lot, have you prayed about this? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, I pray all the time. That's a famous response of somebody who's not prayed about it. See, sometimes things are so clear and easy looking from the outside in. Such an easy decision. But when you're in the middle of those throes of emotion and struggle, that's when you've got to be careful to understand my heart is exceeding and desperately wicked above all things. Come on, I just need a few honest people in the building. If you're going to be successful in living for God, you've got to understand that your greatest challenge is not the devil. Your greatest enemy is not demons. Your greatest opposition is not a witch or a warlock. But the greatest trouble you'll ever have is with the enemy enemy. Your flesh is the greatest enemy you'll ever deal with your entire life. It won't be anything from the, it'll be your deceptive heart. It'll be your carnal mind. I wish I had a few honest people in the building that would understand your flesh is just like my flesh. It doesn't want to do the will of God. It doesn't want to do what's right. It doesn't want to obey the word of the Lord. Lot, are you sure about this, honey? Sure or not, this is what we're doing. I'm tired being told what to do, tired of all the restrictions. I'm tired of not being my own man. I'm tired. I mean, I can hear from God just like he can. And besides, look at how much money I'll make. That's got to be the will of God. Besides, look at the opportunity. I mean, there's no wall stopping me. 
I mean, there's nothing saying I can't go. Your greatest test uh, will never be your ability to stop at a stop sign. Your greatest ability uh, will be to get to an intersection uh, and say, God, I'm not moving until you speak to me. Uh, God, I'm not moving forward uh, until I hear your voice. Uh, I'm not hearing for it. Come on. Uh, somebody, your greatest test uh, is when there's no stop sign, uh, when there's no walls, uh, and God wants to find out uh, if you can live by character, uh, and God wants to find out uh, if you can live by principle. I don't know what to do. I'm waiting for God to speak. Do the last thing he said. God never changes. His principles never change. And if the decision leads you to something that's against his principle, it's the wrong decision. It's the wrong choice. You don't have to pray. You don't even have to pray about those, Brother Albaracina. There's no need to pray about that. God's word already spoken. He's not changing his mind. I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much money you give in the offering plate. His word is his word. But Lot made up his mind. I'm still preaching the baby dedication. Lot made up his mind. Come on, family. Come on, family. We're going this way. But daddy, what about uncle? I don't want to hear his name in this house anymore. I don't want you to talk about him anymore in this place. All right, daddy. And I don't know how much time passed between chapter 13 and chapter 19. But somewhere between chapter 13 and chapter 19, Lot is no longer sitting in a plain somewhere with his tent facing Sodom and Gomorrah. But he is now living in the middle of the city. He set direction for his home that led him to a place he never would have went in the first place. You see, if he was confident about being there, he would have just packed up in chapter 13 and moved to Sodom and Gomorrah. But he knew there was something not right with his decision. Can I preach to some young men, some fathers, maybe some single mamas in the place? Direction is everything. <laughs> I said direction is everything. There's sometimes you've got to be able to let God speak to you uh, and understand you could do that, uh, but it'll put you in the wrong direction. Uh, you could make that choice, uh, but it'll put you in the wrong direction uh, because whatever direction you're headed uh, will dictate uh, your destination. Uh, and if you don't want to go there, uh, then you can't even look there. Uh, and if you don't want to end up here, uh, then you can't even put your face uh, in that direction. Uh, direction. Uh, is everything. And we find Lot in the middle of the city. Now he's right at the city gates, completely immersed and wrapped up in the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah. His kids and his family have now integrated themselves into this new place. They've made new friends. As a matter of fact, 
It had been enough time that some of his children had grown up and become married. And his daughters married into young men that did not have the same values as Uncle Abraham taught them. And now they were joined unto families and people. And one day God said, I've had enough. I'm going to destroy the city. And old Uncle Abraham, even though his nephew walked away, was still praying for him. He said, God, peradventure there'd be 50. Peradventure there'd be 40. 30, you know the story. He kept negotiating and the Bible said that couldn't find 40. Couldn't find 30 righteous. Couldn't find 20. We get down to the end and there's never a resolution which leads us to believe there was not one righteous in the city. Not even Lot was worthy. But because Abraham's relationship with God... I feel like preaching right now. It was only because of Abraham's relationship with God, Brother Carlos, that God sent angels. You want to know what that tells me? That there are times you are walking in the grace of somebody else's favor with God. There are times that the only reason you are kept is not because you prayed. It's not because you made good decisions. It's not because you're walking with God. It's because there was somebody somewhere that loved you enough that they kept on praying for you and even though you should be dead you still got breath in your body today and even though you should be locked up somebody's prayers have kept you out I just need a witness in the building even though you should be stuck on drugs somebody else's prayer has kept you alive for this day So before you get self-righteous, don't buy into the deception that because you're not destroyed that the decision you made was the right one. See, I made the decision and I'm all right. See, I made that decision and nothing happened to me. See, I made those choices and I'm still here. It's a baby, you better humble yourself in the presence of God. You're not here because you did right. You're here because somebody else has been praying over your wrong decisions. I just need a few people in the building with enough humility to lift your hands and say thank you God that even when I messed up you covered me. Thank you God that even when I made the wrong choice your hand was on me. Thank you Jesus. Preaching to these families today, choices have consequences. And so the Bible opens up in chapter 19 with this simple phrase it says, And there came two angels. You want to know what angels are representative of in Scripture? They are an example 
of pastoral leadership. Book of Revelation says, unto the angel of the church, over the, the seven churches, unto the angel. The, an angel is just a messenger. That's all it is, is a messenger. I stand before you uh, as an angel today, uh, delivering a message. Uh, and so you know what God said? Uh, there's only one thing I'm going to try. Uh, I'm going to send uh, a preacher. I'm going to send an angel to them uh, to tell them, uh, repent. I'm going to send an angel to Lot uh, to tell him uh, that he's got to get out of there. Uh, I'm going to send a preacher uh, to the building uh, that'll stand flat-footed uh, and tell him, I know you're living your best life, uh, and I know you're jumping uh, and having a good time, uh, but you don't even understand uh, that you're living on the edge uh, of destruction, uh, and God sent me uh, to you this morning uh, to tell you it's time uh, to get out of the city. Uh, it's time to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. It's time to turn your back uh, on the life. Who am I preaching to uh, this morning? Uh, you're not here on accident. Uh, you didn't come to friends and family day uh, just to get a good meal. Uh, but God knew uh, that you would be here. Uh, and he sent a messenger uh, to tell you uh, it's time to turn around. Uh, it's time to get out. Uh, it's time to leave uh, the life you've been living. The angel shows up. And you know the story. Lot still has enough residue of his previous life that he recognizes who these men are. And he tells them, come on, hurry. Come into my house. And while these men, these messengers, could I just say these pastors, these preachers, if you will, come into his house, the Bible says the city was so defined by the wickedness of immorality that men, from Bible says from every corner of the city came young and old with their perversions. And they wanted to have their way with these two men that were angels. The Bible says to know them. Let, give us those men that we may know that we want to have our way with them and then destroy them. You understand we're living in modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, because just the very presence uh, of the messenger uh, invokes the hate uh, in the hearts uh, of evil people. Uh, come on, I'm preaching. Uh, I, I'm preaching. The, the devil hates this kind of preaching. Uh, you stand for righteousness uh, and begin to declare truth. Uh, and society will tell you uh, that pedophilia uh, is now defined as love. Uh, and those who speak against it uh, are defined as haters. Uh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching in the the real world uh, society uh, I just preached a couple weeks ago uh, and I was talking about homosexuality and lesbianism and the clip ended up going viral uh, and all of the demonic forces uh, from every corner of the earth uh, begin to tear uh, and bite and gnash uh, why because evil uh, cannot stand the presence uh, of light and of truth uh, I'm preaching to somebody right now uh, that when this kind of preaching uh, 
goes forth. The sin and the darkness and the bondage in your life will begin to tear at it. Will begin to resist it. Will begin to hate it. Come on, but God sent me flat-footed and unafraid to stand in the face of that wickedness and declare you've got to come out. You've got to leave that sin. I feel like circling back to this from our holiness class. I begin to talk about the open agenda, for example, of Disney to convert children to homosexuality and lesbianism. That's not my opinion or a fairy tale I'm making up. It's documented, open footage of their executive business meetings. They're not ashamed of it. They're not afraid of it. And when I begin to declare that, every evil spirit from all over the four corners of the earth begin to gnash itself. These men walked into the city. This, listen, this is the environment that Lot had led his family into. Because way back here, he wouldn't pray about it. He wouldn't listen to godly counsel. The only thing he could think about was his own definition of opportunities. You read your Bible when you get home. But yet they will call that sentiment love. They will call the actions of those love. And the preacher that says it's wrong will be called a hate monger. Fact of the matter is I love you more than they do. Because they want to see you stay in the same bondage they're in. But I showed up as an angel of light to tell you uh, that there's a way out. Uh, I showed up not to hate you. Uh, the real love of God uh, is that God made a way for you uh, to get out of that lifestyle. Uh, God made a way for you to be delivered uh, from the self-hatred uh, and the deception. And I apologize for the churches full of preachers that don't have enough backbone to stand up and preach this. I apologize for the preachers uh, who don't have enough guts to get up uh, and declare what thus the Lord uh, because they're afraid of the firestorm uh, and the backlash. Uh, you better hear me and hear me loud. Uh, God did not send me to make you comfortable uh, in a city in an environment uh, that's about to be judged. Uh, God sent me with a message uh, to tell you get out. Uh, and if that means I got to walk in the city uh, in the midst of demonic presence, uh, that means if I got to walk to and fro uh, in the midst uh, of that kind of bondage and declare it uh, then so be it, uh, thus saith the Lord. I refuse to sit back uh, and just preach cotton candy sermons uh, while the spirit of this age uh, does its best uh, to destroy the families. Huh. Our decisions have consequences. Lot, what are you doing with your family in this situation? Lot, what are you doing? 
Bible says that those angels blinded the eyes of those men. They were so violent. While they project hate on the righteous, they were so violent that even in their blindness, they kept reaching for the door. They were still trying to get in to destroy those men. And I want you to hear the petition. Pull it up, chapter 19, verse 12. I wept when I read this this morning. I want you to hear the petition of the messenger to Lot and his family. And the men said unto Lot, Has thou here any besides? He said, Do you have any other family here besides you? A son-in-law? your sons and your daughters and whatsoever you have in the city. Listen, uh, he said, bring them out of this place. Uh, I came with one message uh, for somebody in the building today. Uh, grab your kids, uh, grab your wife, uh, grab everybody you love uh, and get yourself uh, out of that situation. Uh, get yourself out uh, of that scenario and who uh, am I preaching to uh, this morning uh, I don't care how lucrative it is uh, I don't care how many friends you've made uh, I don't care what it costs you uh, get your stuff uh, get your family uh, and get uh, out he made no bones about it you've got to get out of here the judgment of God is about to strike. Get everything and everybody you love and get out of that lifestyle. Get out of that situation. Get out. Get out. And this next part is perhaps the, perhaps the crux of my message today. Now, we only have one service. Is this all right? I'm only going to preach one time today. Bible says that Lot goes to his sons-in-law. He had two daughters that lived at the house still, but immediately he said, I got to go tell my other daughters. I got to go tell my other babies. You see, you're just holding little babies right now, but they're going to be princesses and princes, and where you lead them will have consequence on their life. And he runs to their house. And the Bible says he begins to tell his sons-in-law about the angels. And the Bible says they laughed at him as if he was just mocking them. What a travesty. You see, what happened is Lot led his family into a place that he could now not lead them out of. He led them there, but they wouldn't follow him out. I'm preaching to some moms and dads today. You better be careful where you're leading your children. Come on, I hope you're hearing me this morning. You better be careful where you are leading 
your children uh, because there are some places uh, and some things uh, <laughs> that you think are innocuous uh, and yeah you might be able one day uh, to walk out uh, but you've exposed your children long enough uh, that they won't be willing to follow you back out of it uh, you've exposed them long enough uh, to that society uh, and that culture uh, and you put the taste in their mouth uh, and now you understand uh, you're in trouble uh, but your babies are stuck uh, and they don't feel the same way you do uh, you can't blame it on them uh, you can't blame it on their friends uh, I tell you what mom and dad uh, you've got to look in the mirror uh, because you were the one uh, that led them to that city uh, way back here uh, when you had an opportunity uh, to do what was right uh, you led them away uh, you did things based uh, off your own agenda uh, and your own feelings uh, at the cost uh, of your children's lives uh, at the cost uh, of your baby's well-being I got one question a lot right about now was it worth it I got one question a lot. Was the well, I hope you enjoyed the money you made uh, because now your babies are going to be lost. Uh, lot, I hope you enjoy the house uh, that you now live in uh, because you did so well. Uh, because the price you really paid is your children uh, are never going to leave this house. Uh, I hope uh, that you feel justified uh, every time you saw Uncle Abe uh, and showed him how good you were doing now uh, all by yourself. Uh, look at what I brought. Uh, look at what I hope you really enjoyed that because now when you realize what's happening, your babies are stuck and they're not following you out. It begins to dawn on him, I went the wrong way. I went the wrong direction. I can imagine in his mind's eye, his memory begins to flood all the way back. Why did I ever bring my family here? Why did I let my family live here? Why did I let my emotions and my thoughts get their way? Come on, why are my babies now here? I can't imagine. I wish I had some parents that could understand what it would be like to close the door behind you while your children laugh at you and mock you. You still believe that message? You still think we have to do all that to make it to heaven? Daddy, you know we don't do that anymore. You know God's given us a greater revelation of his grace. He would never destroy this city. He would never hurt us. Daddy, you don't really believe that anymore. I'm preaching to some parents. You can lead your babies to a place that you'll never lead them out of. careful what you're exposing your children to because you are culturing them mom and dad you better hear this preacher today you're responsible for what's going in their hearts and minds you're responsible for what you're exposing them to for what you're allowing the culture of your home to become and you may feel strong enough that at any given time you can leave. But I came to preach to you this morning. Your babies won't make it out with you. 
Lot walks back to his house. And I'm going to tell you the tough part. Music, come. I'm not too far from being done. I'm going to tell you the tough part. As he began to consider his plight, if I leave the city, I've got to leave my children behind. If I do what God's telling me to do, it's not your baby's fault and it's not God's fault. You made choices that put the things of the world between you and your children. The Bible says, while he yet lingered. Can you imagine lingering after the angel told you, get out now because God's about to destroy this place. Can you imagine still lingering, still contemplating, still wondering if I should really do it or not? That's where his convictions had been deteriorated to. The pool between him and his family and his money and his success and the impending judgment of God. The Bible said while he yet lingered. Do you know what the Bible says? It says that the angels grabbed hold of him. All right, Lot, if you're not going to follow willingly, then I'm going to drag you out. If you're not going to come willingly, I'm going to come on, Lot. Lot keeps looking back. What about my children? What about my job? Come on. What about the house I built? Come on. You got to get out of here. You know what most people would call this? That pastor's being abusive. That pastor's being too hard. That pastor's being too strong. He, that's just his opinion. My own way of thinking about it. And you don't even understand that the angel's just trying to save you. The angel's just trying to rescue you. If you keep reading, the Bible says that the Lord being merciful. The only reason the angel was doing that, it was the mercy of God. And people will call it the hardness of a man. But God said, no, it's not a man being hard. That's my mercy. Even though you're stuck, I'm still trying to get you out. Even though you're being stubborn, I'm still trying to pull you out. Come on, come on, Lot. What about my babies? I can't leave my children. Come on, Lot. I know, but there's no future. You know what he had to say, Lot? You still got two daughters at home that are depending on you to make the right decision. I want to preach for a moment to some families that have had a son or a daughter that has made up their mind they're no longer going to live for God. And now you're trying to balance those children with the the little ones you still have in your home uh, you better hear me well uh, there comes a time in an age uh, where those children uh, have to face God uh, for themselves uh, you're no longer responsible uh, for their actions and decisions uh, but you are responsible uh, for the babies uh, that are still in your house I'm 
I'm not saying don't love them. I'm not saying don't pray for them. I'm not saying any of those things. But your decisions had better not be based off of their disobedience. Your decisions had better be based off the well-being of those that are still living inside of your own home. I know lot. I know you want to stay there for those kids, but they're not leaving. I know they got to make up their mind for themselves. They got to just come on lot. What about these two daughters that are still in your home? You've got to lead them out. families all of this because of poor choices none of it had to be that way but it started right here making choices for my young family making choices for my babies and understanding the sacredness finding the will of God and staying on my face before God. Finally, Lot comes to himself and says, baby, we got to leave. Where are the two girls at? Honey, they're not coming. What do you mean they're not coming? Baby, we can't worry about them. They're old enough to make their own decisions. We got to do something for us and our babies that are here. And I can imagine the mom screaming, No, how can I leave my babies? How can I leave my children? I know, honey, I know it hurts, but we've got to do the will of God. Whatever it takes, we can't help them if we're not doing what God told us to do. And I can imagine her weeping and crying. Grab the girls, grab the two little ones. Uh, and tell him let's go uh, and with, uh, with his wife uh, and his two little ones in hand none of this would be happening if I hadn't led my family into that place I'm leaving empty handed because I didn't take the time to do things God's way instead of my way choices have consequences I'm preaching to some people say, I say, I'm preaching to some people right now that say Bishop what do I do I've already made poor decisions I've already made bad choices and, and I've already taken a loss and things are already a mess there's only one option you have turn your back on the wrong decisions you've made and run to the face of God Put your hand in. Listen to me, somebody. I feel like I got to preach this. When you stand before God, your children will not be standing next to you. I'm going to say it again. When you stand before God, those children are not going to be standing next to you. You're going to stand before God and give an account for yourself. When your children stand before God, you will not be standing next to them. They will have to stand before God for themselves. I love you, baby. You're going to have to follow me out of here. I love you, honey. But you're going to have to follow me out. And the, the 
the angel led him and his family out. I wish I, wish I could depict this, thank you, properly. Come here, Lot. Grab your wife. The angel is leading, and they're, they're still unsure. They're, they're, and they say, come on, we got to go. Come on, we got to get out of here. And the Bible says that there came a point where the angel said, okay, this is as far as I can lead you. I can't take you any further. I've got to take my hands off you. And from this point forward, it's got to be under the volition of your own will. There's only so far God will allow the man of God to pull you. Just stay there. There's no, there's only so far that God will allow the angel to bring you. And there comes a moment in time where God says, take your hands off him. This is one of the most heart-wrenching moments for a man of God when God said, no more. No more counseling over that scenario. No more. Don't, I don't want you to pray for them anymore regarding that. But God, what if they don't do it right? God said, now I'm going to find out what's in their heart. And the angel said, I've taken you uh, as far as I can. Uh, I've just got one last word of instruction. Uh, run! Uh, run! Uh, and whatever you do, uh, don't look back. Uh, whatever you do, uh, don't look back. Uh, I know you went the wrong way, uh, but I'm showing you the right way out. Uh, I know you went the wrong direction, uh, but I'm showing you how to get out of your trouble. Uh, who am I preaching to right now uh, you may be in a bad place uh, but God is speaking to you I want us to stand all over this house today there's some people right now you need to grab your things and you need to run to an altar come on you've got to grab your stuff and say I've got to get to that altar no matter what the, come on, I'm preaching to some moms and dads right now uh, that are in some dilemmas. Uh, come on, I know this is a different baby dedication, uh, but this is a word to the whole house. Uh, come on, the angel of the Lord uh, is telling you, run uh, and don't look back. Uh, come on, somebody needs to get out of your seat right now uh, and respond uh, to the word of God. God's calling you uh, <laughs> to get up out of that situation. Uh, that's what repentance is. Uh, repentance is turning around and walking out of that situation. Repentance is turning around and walking away from that scenario. Come on. The Holy Ghost is speaking to you in this building today. It's time to turn around. Somebody lift your hands in the air and begin to pray. I'm preaching to some people that are still lingering in a pew. I'm preaching to some people that are still lingering in a pew. I want to go pray, but something's holding me back. I want to go get a breakthrough, but something's trying to keep me from praying. Come on, Lot! Run! Come on, Lot! Get up out of your seat and run to Jesus! Come on. Come on, I'm preaching about going the wrong way. Somebody right now, lift your hands. Come on, I got to turn around. I've got to go the right way. I've got to go the right direction. Come on, lift up your voice. 
I'm preaching to some moms and dads. Don't keep leading your babies down that path. Don't keep leading your children uh, into those environments. Uh, quit leading your children uh, in the ways of rebellion and disobedience. Uh, quit leading your children uh, into cultures. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. Come on. You're going to stand before God all by yourself. You're going to get, come on. I feel like telling a mama in the building, the only chance your children have is a mama that's sold out to God. The only chance your family has is a mama that gives everything to God. Come on, if you want to see your babies make it, you've got to sell out to God. If you want to see your family make it, you've got to sell out to God. Come on. Somebody right now, somebody right now. Somebody right now. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, daddy. Come on, mama. Come on, come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. It's time for you to get a hold of God for yourself. It's time for you to get a hold of God with both hands today. Come on. Come on, all over this building. All over this building, lift up your hands. Come on. Pray. Pray. Come on, that child that's in your hands is depending on you. That child that's in your hands is depending on you to make the right decision. I will take hold of you. Jesus, come to my rescue. No other name by which I am saved. Come on, come on. one day and find my family in the rubble I refuse to wake up one day and find everything burnt to the ground I refuse to wake up one day and lose everything come on come on help me pray church help me pray church
Help me pray, church.
come on all over this building all over this building all over this building we need you
I'm not holding I'm not holding anything back all of me all of me I'm not holding Just keep praying. I want us to gather around this family this morning as far. Everybody in the building, if you would stand and come to the altar with me. Today's Friends and Family Day. We're all going to pray together at the altar this morning. As friends, as family, would you come? Join me around these three families today. Come on, everybody in the building, would you join me at the altar today? Come on, everybody in the building, would you join me at the altar this morning? Just continue to pray. Grab your neighbor, grab your wife, grab your children. Get as close as you can to the front of this house. If you would take a couple steps closer to make room. If you would take a couple steps closer to make room for everybody trying to get here. Get with your family if you can. Get with your friends. If your family's not here, get as close as you can to this altar. In the name of Jesus. While we continue to pray, we understand this morning that really this isn't a baby dedication. It's a mom and dad dedication. Because it's the choices and decision of moms and dads that are going to determine the direction and environment of these children. And so this morning, we're going to anoint them with oil. I want the pastoral staff and your wives, if you would, please just join me right here on, on these steps as we prepare to pray for these families. We're going to anoint them with oil, anoint their children with oil. We're going to pray. A prayer of sanctification. What does that mean? In the Bible, when something was sanctified, it meant that it was set apart specifically for the use of God. And they would anoint those vessels in the tabernacle with oil as a sign that they had been set apart for the use of God. And by the confession and commitment of these parents, that are here this morning. They are standing before this congregation as a witness to say that we're setting ourselves apart and our children apart specifically and exclusively for the use in the hand of God. Amen. And although we can't all be up here laying hands on them, I wonder if everybody in the building would just stretch your hands in this direction and help me pray for these families. I want the pastoral staff, you and your wives, please join me quickly here on the platform as we pray for these families. 
We're going to lay hands on them. Church, would you lift your voices and fill the room with your prayers this morning as we pray for this family? Come on. Would you help me lift up your voices? Come on, pastoral families. Husbands and wives, help me pray in the name of Jesus.
Would you lift your hands all over this place right now? Come on, would you lift your hands all over this house right now? One more time as we pray for these families. God, we pray your hand upon them. God, we pray protection upon them. God, we pray for an abundance of wisdom upon them. God, put a hedge around their families and their homes. Give them the strength and the tenacity, God, to command their households after your ways. We give you the praise and the glory and all of the honors. Somebody help me give God a praise this morning.